ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening to this episode, it's April 1st, which means it is opening day. Now, I can't put into words how fired up I am just to see fans in the stands, just to watch live baseball again, meaningful baseball again. And I'll say this. Never, ever take it for granted, even if it's the Pirates facing the Detroit Tigers. Never take it for granted because you never know when it can get snatched up away from you. All right? Now let's buckle up. we got 162 games to tune into. Before we do that, though, let's cut into the electric episode with our guy, unbelievable dude, by the way, Jamie Westbrook of the Milwaukee Brewers. Let's ride. Welcome back to Officially Unofficial. I'm your host, the former face of junior college baseball, the fall American, John Jones, and we're here with a very, very special guest. He is a grizzled vet in the minor <laughs> leagues. He was a former fifth-round draft selection. He's a prospect for the Milwaukee Brewers. It is my pleasure to welcome Jamie Westbrook to the Officially Unofficial podcast. What's up, big dog? How you doing? What's up, man? It's good to be here. I'm doing well. Uh, just woke up. We're here in Texas for a couple of exhibition games. So, yeah, man, I'm living it. I'll just say this right off the bat, and for the people listening can't see this like visually because it's going to go on YouTube, you look fucking dynamite right now. The hoodie's incredible. I just wanted to bring that up. And you're actually, I believe, you own the brand Offseason Apparel. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm, uh, I am would, I would say co-founder. Me and uh, one of my good friends, Graham uh, Engdahl, he, uh, he started it about a year or so ago, um, and we kind of just have been seeing where it goes, and um, it's starting to take off, man, so I'm, I'm proud of the work we've been putting in for sure. I'll be honest, dude. It's, it's just electric clothing. It'll probably, like I said, like on a, on, a, on a humble day, I'm like a six. When I'm pull, when, if I pull up an off-season apparel, <laughs> I'm like an eight, nine. So you can just get that for the visual, and I wanted to bring it up. <laughs> I mean, humble brag I, if you go to the offseason apparel the first picture of the person wearing it is cody bellinger is that good you tell me so i wanted to go into that i mean is cody a big offseason apparel guy like what's going on there um yeah man i think we all uh it, it, when we started it um it's kind of a crazy story graham um just kind of gave us a hoodie just one plain hoodie that said offseason on it um and we did we had no idea what it was he didn't explain anything he just kind of threw it to us and let you know the market dictate if it was you know cool or not and we just kind of fell in love with the name it was simple um we're always together in our off season like we're we end, we're saying that word all the time um so it just kind of made sense to have it on you know uh, a hoodie and it kind of just got legs of its own from there i met with graham about a week later and we just kind of started rolling so um yeah cody you know obviously um we grew up together and um yeah it's nice to have support of your friends you know rocking your stuff and um we're all a piece of it which is it's just pretty cool and i had to bring up i mean you guys have the most electric off-season group of all time you have friend of the show tyler glass now who by the way i tried to get this guy to come back on the show just refusing to answer text messages whatever we'll bounce back from the glass i mean I still consider us boys, but you have Tyler Glass now. You have Cole Tucker, who unbelievably good-looking dude, one of the best in Major League Baseball, good for him. And then you have Vanessa Hudgens, just casually commenting on your pictures, who's I'm dating Cole Tucker, and Cody Bellinger. So when you're looking around in this off-season group and you guys are walking, do you just get, like, second looks all the time from, like, just random people on the street? Like, is wait a second, is that, is that Vanessa Hudgens and, and Cody Bellinger and Cole Tucker? Like, what's going on there? What's that aspect? What are you guys doing in the off-season? Um, honestly, man, like we're all pretty normal people. Like, um, I would, I would, I would say some of my friends definitely have pretty cool jobs and are well known. Um, but I think we do a very good job of separating work from, um, who we are as people, you know, so someone like B or Cody or Tuck or Bobby or Scotty Kingery or whoever it may be, like, those are just my friends and I've grown up with them and we respect each other as people and, we don't really care what, you know, we do outside um, or what we do for work, you know, and I think that's what makes our crew so genuine and real is that, you know, we're, we're true friends. We support each other. We go to each other's house and watch football and talk crap about fantasy and, you know, watch the suns and the birds and um, all that stuff. So, yeah, man, it, it's pretty normal, but I definitely understand that we got a definitely a cool group of uh, people around us for sure. You know what you guys are missing in that group is a podcaster. Like, I, I feel like you guys <laughs> just need a podcaster just implemented in there. Then you got it all dialed in, all figured out. But I, like when you're growing up with Cody Bellinger, did you realize that this guy was going to be a dog when you were kids? Like, was he that kid that was hitting like four nukes a game, throwing like 92 off the bump when he was like 15? Um, no, not really, man, to be honest. Um, Cody kind of hit a growth spurt like late. Uh, 
in high school, he kind of started getting taller. Like, there's a picture of us playing in junior high, and, like, I'm at short, and Cody's in left, and he's just, like, still this short kind of skinny kid. Um, but I think going into our senior year is when we started to realize, like, okay, dude, like, this is the frame. Like, this guy puts on some weight. That swing, like, turns into something crazy. Um, but, like, even on draft day, man, like, people weren't really buying it, you know? Like, they kind of wanted to see it, see the power come. But I think we all knew because we were the ones that practiced with him and watching him grow and watching his progression and watching his love for the game. So, honestly, it's kind of no surprise to me who he turned into. But, um, I mean, he's still a fourth-round pick. There's a lot of people picked ahead of Cody Bellinger that year. So, uh, I'm happy for all of his success. And, um I'm excited to watch him grow and have some more for sure. Yeah. Like I, I love that dude. And he's like, I think he's pretty close friends with Kevin Smith. Who's one of my boys. And he said like, Cody's just, he's just a funny dude. Like he's just a, an electric dude to be around And there. He showed me a couple of videos of him golfing. He just, he just looks like he's just an electric guy to play with, but I wanted to go into your career because you got drafted fifth round. You grind. I mean, you played indie ball. You played in Australia. You've done all this stuff, which is electric. How, how, how you've kind of traveled the world playing baseball the one thing that really stood out to me as I was watching videos of you on YouTube and you played for the Diamondbacks when they had arguably the ugliest jerseys of all time. You know, I know, you know exactly which ones I'm talking about. What, when you put those jerseys on, cause you're a drippy guy, you have good style. When you're putting these jerseys on with the red, like flames or whatever was at the bottom of like where the shoes were, did you, in your mind were you like, man, what are these? Like, I, I would have been like that. Dude, so I'm going to be completely honest with you, man. Like, when you get the privilege of playing the fall league like that, whatever big league jersey they're going to throw you, you're going to be excited to, to put on. Uh, looking back on it, now I'm like, those were those were trash. <laughs> those were not good jerseys. But in the moment when you're yeah. a 21-year-old kid in the fall league and they throw you some majestic pants and not the Russell ones that you usually wear yeah. in the minor leagues, dude, like, you're so happy you're over the moon. But, yeah, looking back on those, like, yeah, those were a tough look. I'm happy that they uh, kind of steered away from those. Yeah, and those new jerseys are fire. Like, as you can see, Alex Young sent, sent us a jersey. And that, mm -hmm. that one, those new jerseys are absolutely incredible. Like, I, I love the new ones, but the old ones, I was like, what are we doing here? But a couple stops in your minor league career. I wanted to bring this up because there is a team or a city that has been absolutely roasted, absolutely tormented on this podcast, gets chirped all the time. What was your time like? If you ever played there in Beloit, Wisconsin, do you, is, you know that name what? So I've heard so much about Beloit and I never went like the year I was in uh, Loa in the Midwest league. We just didn't do a trip there. I think they came and saw us twice. Um, but I, I don't know if anyone's mentioned this, but Clinton, Iowa. Yes. Uh, I was supposed to bring that up. I was literally just supposed to say that. I is a close second because the whole town smells like dog food. It's like a kibbles and bits like factory or something. <laughs> so, yeah, like you're just constantly smelling dog food for your whole three game stint, which yeah. is kind of nuts. But that's just as part of it, man. Like looking back, some of the places you go is just unbelievable. Yeah, I, Clinton, Iowa, like, oh, my God, I've heard nothing but terrible things. And I, and you luckily got to not play in Beloit because I heard Beloit is, like, just night and day how bad it is compared to that. But you talked about the Fall League, and I, I was – like I said, I was watching film of you in the Fall League. Who was some guys that you were on a team with or some guys you were playing against where you're like, this guy's going to be an MLB superstar? Dude, uh, man, the Fall League was – seems like forever ago, but that year was unbelievable. Like, I'm pretty sure – Glaber Torres was there, oh like, lit it up. Um, man, I had, like, Ryan McMahon on my team. Um, Kevin Crone, who's in Japan, hitting a million homers right now. Like, Jan Moncada was there. Kopech. Oh, um, God. It was just, like, uh, Belly was there. Willie Calhoun, Verdugo. Dude, like, uh, Nottingham was there. It was just a, a – it was a mess, dude. Like, it was just such good talent. Um, and you just knew, like – everyone was going to be a guy like it was just a really cool vibe there um yeah some of the names slipped me as i'm on the spot but yeah look if we look up that year it was like i remember them saying like this might be the best offensive like fall league we've had before and they probably say that every year because kids just keep getting better and better but true i remember looking around like dude this is this is really really good baseball and not and you don't mention yourself because I, like i said on this show we like to pump the guest tires a lot you hit 292 in the fall league facing absolute dogs. I mean, 
what was what was going right for you there? Were you just so hot that you were like every pitch, like you you just felt good at the dish because two ninety two facing legit all the best prospects in baseball is a like I'll take that ten times out of ten. I hit one eight. I hit one sixty eight. So. I don't know if that 292 number is correct, to be honest with you, dude. It says 292 right here, Arizona, 2013, Diamondbacks. Well, no, that's uh, that's rookie ball. <laughs> that's rookie ball. Okay, so that's I'm not a stock guy. Okay. So that's the AZL, but the AFL, I don't think my stats are nearly as good. Okay, well, I, okay, wait, uh, FAL, Fall League. Oh, okay. So, yeah, no, okay, I was definitely reading there it wrong. So credit to me. Credit to me. I was. I honestly think what I was reading was your on-base percentage, which makes a little bit more uh, – yeah, yeah, no, you no, your OBP was 305. But, no, okay, so this is what I'm talking about. I'm a Juco brain. I'm not the brightest of all time, so we'll just, <laughs> we'll just ignore that that whole thing just happened. But what was it like, though, even playing in that fall league, man? Because the, the fact that you got invited there kind of shows that it's like you're a dog and we kind of want you up here. So it's definitely an honor to even be there, right? Yeah, totally, man. Like, uh, especially being like an uh, Arizona kid, um, the fall league was like the pinnacle for us, right? Like, you go watch those games um, in the fall, and you're like, all right, these dudes are next because you've been hearing about them, you know, whether it be uh, Baseball America or all the, you know, sites that kind of pump up guys. And as a young high school player, like, man, I was just watching YouTube videos of, like, dudes just taking ground balls like in college because they're draft prospects or like minor league videos of homers with like bad quality and stuff and being able to go to a fall league game and see like oh you know this guy's up next like that's cool uh, I did that my whole you know my whole childhood so to be one of those guys is is a crazy feeling because you're like wow I know how that kid in the stands is viewing me because I remember that um, and it's the same thing with, you know, spring training when you're wearing number 94 or something like you used to go to those games and be like, hey, oh, look at this guy, 94. And then you get in a situation where um, that's your jersey and you get a whole different perspective of how you know special it really is to be playing that long and to be out there. Um, and it is a privilege. So, yeah, I really love my time um, in the fall league, man. It was an honor to be there. That's I mean, that's something you kind of put in your resume and we'll and I'll make it up for myself here because here's a fact in high A in 2015, you hit 320. I mean, I that's, that. yes. that's legitimately double. Like I, I say this all the time. That's double my average in junior college in Nebraska. <laughs> so I'll take that 10 times out of 10. So we'll rephrase the question. When you hit 320 and high A, put pitchers in your back pocket. How good did you feel that year? Because that's just idiotic stats, 320. Um, yeah, man, that year I felt really good. I was I was with a good uh, – I had a good coaching staff. Like J.R. House, uh, the Cincinnati Reds, their base coach right now is my manager. Yeah. Um, and I was a younger guy. I was 19, so I was surrounded by some guys that were older than me, and he really uh, took me under his wing and made me grow up a little bit. You know, when you're 19, you're fresh out of high school. You don't really know what's what, and I, I definitely um, give him a lot of credit for getting in my behind when I needed to. Yeah. Um, he, he stayed on me, like um, a lot of, you know, stupid attitude things you do when you're a kid and you're frustrated. He would always check me on, and he never really let me get away with anything. Um, and it was definitely all out of love. I actually saw him the other day. We played the Reds and um, it's nice to, you know, dap him up, give him a hug and be 25 and, you know, close closer to the big leagues than I ever have and be like, hey, you know what? Thank you, man. Like some of those growing pains that I had back then, he, you know, he did for a reason. So uh, he definitely gave me the confidence to be like, this is the player you could be. Um, and there's no secret why I had a good year with him. Um and yeah, it was just cool. I mean, I was just very comfortable that season. I had a really good host family. Um, the Osters, Dan and Sid, they're awesome. Um, I liked my roommates. Like the team was good. We were winning. So it was just a, a combination of everything. I also had dudes like, you know, Kevin Crone and Daniel Palka and Mitch Hanniger was on that team for a Jesus little bit. Christ. But like we had such good arms and like players that, it was really cool. You kind of had to up your level of play, um, and I was able to do that. Yeah, I mean, and also to top it off, you had 153 hits that year. Well, <laughs> that's just that's, did I really, dude? Yeah, you had a dude, and it's crazy that you don't even know that because I'm telling you right now, and I, and people listening know this. If I had 153 hits in a single season, I would be the biggest douchebag of all time. I mean, I would think I am the goat. How do you, so you didn't even know you had 153 hits? You just know you hit 320? 
Yeah, man. I mean, like, when you're going through, like, when you're just playing, like, you get a hit, you get a hit, you get out, you get out. Like, it's just kind of like I've always been, like, a baseball rat, and I just enjoy coming to the field, man. So, yeah. like, whatever happens when I'm there is part of what happens when you're at the field. Um, if you're having a good year, I guess the, the hits will start to add up um, just because you're showing up every day prepared to play and you're in the lineup. So, um, but that is a lot of hits for uh, a, a season. season. Yeah, that is. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that was pretty cool. I mean, it felt like I was getting a lot of hits back then. So it's nice <laughs> enough that I was. But man, I'm telling you, that seems like thirty years ago. I, I mean that. <laughs> yeah, I, I for sure. I and you, it, it gets lost in transition when you've played in the minors, man. Like, just you won't even talk, think about it. But you also had seventeen nukes, so. That year, were you just dropping the back elbow and just letting that shit sing? Like, what was going on? Like, when when you're elevating how much home runs you hit like that, is just the high pitch, are your eyes just lighting up and you're like, I'm sending this bitch to the moon? Uh, I mean, I think, like, as hitters, we all kind of have an approach. Um, depending off your skill level or, like, you know, what your strengths are. Um, I'm fortunate to have a little bit of pop, so that was just a year yeah, where – I was, yeah, man, I was just really convicted in my approach and um, I was rewarded for it. Um, and you kind of don't think about necessarily, oh, how many home runs am I going to hit or this or that. But like, I mean, I, I would say at least me personally, I can't speak for other people. But when I get to the plate, like I'm trying to drive the ball um, over the fence, to be honest. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, so, yeah, it was just a year where everything kind of clicked and um obviously the Cal League is a good hitters league um which helps a little bit um but yeah man I just yeah I just had a really good year I was in a good really good headspace and, and I believe that year you can correct me if I'm wrong there you made the all-star team is that right I did not make the mid uh season all-star team and then I did for the end of the year yeah because uh, it says here it says here yeah high class yeah. a all-star okay Yep, for the that and that's kind of the cool one. In the minor leagues, like you always want to go to the all-star game and you know do the events and get recognized and stuff. But when you're an end of the year all-star, like that's almost cooler because like, all right, look at this is a culmination of my whole season, not just like I had a good couple months, you know. Yeah. So um that was a big honor to me for sure. Um yeah, that was my first all-star selection, and you always want to be one of those guys. And when you get, like, player – because you've gotten player of the week three times, humble brag, whatever, is that good? When you get player of the week, what what happens? Like, do you get, like, some sort of plaque? Do you get, like what, – what goes on in the minors? Or do you just get nothing? Uh, Was that in the Southern League probably, player of the week? Yeah. Yeah, Southern kinda League, just, three times. They kind of just, like, post a little, uh like, media, like a – picture of you on like twitter and that's usually how you find out and then okay. like manager would be like hey you know westy player of the week everyone's like oh that's it <laughs> so, wow okay <laughs> um, it's not really like it's not really that big of a deal i guess in my experiences um but yeah i, I it's definitely a cool honor but you don't get like a prize or anything for it kind of a pat on the back when there's no fans in the stadium and you're playing professional baseball where you have this kind of image where it's like i'm gonna be playing in filled stadiums i'm gonna be playing in front of fans everything's gonna be going on here and you step to the field and there's no one there how do you kind of wake yourself up to like click like get that adrenaline or just kind of show up to the game mentally um yeah that's a great question um a lot of times like when I'm feeling a certain way, like when you kind of give into that type of stuff, like there's no fans here, like I'm tired, it's the middle yeah. of the Tennessee summer, all those things, like they are reality. Um, but you have a choice to make. You could either give into that and play bad because you will if you think that way, or you yeah. could trick yourself and say, like, if not now, then when is what I always ask myself, like, oh, when I feel better. I'm like, no, 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 you feel good now. Like, let's just get going, create your own energy, like turn that switch in your mind. That dude pitching is still trying to take money out of your pocket. Like I make it, I just make it a game and like so competitive that it doesn't matter who's watching it. It was, it's just like, I'm competing with myself, I guess. Um, so like, that's the challenge. And there doesn't need to be fans in the stands if I'm doing this up here, you know? So that was always my way to, to kind of trick myself. And then when there is fans, that's just a bonus, right? Because that's extra energy, but you're, you're already ready to go up here. 
for sure. No, I, I, uh, I mean, I never played over in front of people like over ten people, so I just couldn't even imagine. <laughs> is is there some sort of like nerve element though? Because you've played, I'm assuming you've like obviously you've probably played in front of like packed houses and full stadiums and all that kind of stuff. Do you kind of like have that pregame where you're like, man, there is a shit ton of people here. I like this is insane. How many eyes are going to be watching me just at the plate? Um, kind of. The thing is that when you see like all of those people, like you could look at it two ways. And I've done this in my career. I've looked at it both ways and I'm going to stick with the later approach. Um, yeah. You could look at all those people and get super nervous um, and feel like they're all like looking at you, I guess, because technically they are. Um, but now as I get older and I've been in these situations or in Mexico winter ball, there's packed house and, or wherever I've played, you kind of just now I just look I really focus on like the game right like so yeah. I just play the ball like the the field is always the same um and I kind of like acknowledge the fans as like man like that's crazy that all those people are here and then it's just like focus right back onto the game so that's kind of a way to know that they're there feel that energy and then just come right back to like what matters you know yeah and what's like an outlandish thing that a fan has ever said to you like what's the best chirp a fan has ever said to you in the middle of a game where you're like this guy got my ass because we've had some funny stories <laughs> on this pod especially with Dude. amir garrett okay so honestly that's that's good i was playing left field in tennessee against the smokies in double a and i had just started dating what my now fiance um it was like i met her that like the end of that off season going into spring so it's like puppy love you know like i'm head over heels for yeah. this girl and like some drunk kids in left field were just like chirping me like oh <laughs> like denise we got denise's instagram and, like this and that and i'm just like yo like why like that's just too far like okay like talk crap to me but like keep my girl out of it bro like yeah she's got like 800 followers like she's the sweetest thing in the world like we don't need to talk about her <laughs> like so that was one of the things where like after the game i was like babe like can you put your instagram on private like i just don't want to deal with it like you know what i'm saying like they got to me for sure i'm like they're talking about my girl like look at my ig and talk crap about me but like not d she's just like so dope she doesn't deserve this you know that's electric and you gotta honestly respect the fans going through that much research because you yeah. Obviously, the, the, you, you got to actually tip your cap to that because I remember Amir told a story on here where Amir Garrett, um, I forgot what, he, what someone said to him. Someone came out his hairline. Like someone said something about his hairline and Amir's <laughs> like, all right. Like, I mean, he got yeah. my ass. Like you, you got to wear it. Yeah. You, you got to wear you just it. You just got to wear it. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be able to take them if you're going to give them, you know, for sure. And you, and the, you played in Australia and you mentioned, you mentioned the Mexican winter league and all that kind of stuff. What was your time like in Australia, man? I mean, you're playing for Sydney, which I believe is the capital. I could be wrong. I'm not a not a capital guy. I don't know anything about that. But what was your time like? How much of a difference was that for you? Just the time change, like the, the way they act, all that kind of stuff. Dude, that Australia was one of the best experiences I've ever had. Um, I lived with Reese Hoskins, which was kind of cool. Um, that was after our high year, and we became pretty good friends there. He was able to be kind of that big big brother type my first time you know living away and he had already been to college um so he kind of taught me how to you know make some food after a game and we had to like do our wash our own jerseys um also like the drinking age in australia was 18 and i was 19 so i was able to be like an adult <laughs> there so he kind of like taught me how to maneuver around a bar like hey yeah, do yeah. this don't do that wear this you know um so he, yeah he really kind of helped me grow up while i was there um, but that experience was just like unbelievable, man. Like I didn't want to come back. <laughs> like, honestly, <laughs> we were at the beach almost every day. Like the culture in Australia is so cool. The people are so like, so real. Um, everyone, I feel like everyone there is just like works from like noon to three and they're ready just to like hang out at the beach or have a good time every, every other hour of the day. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed being down under, man. What was the baseball like there? Was it like, what, what would you compare it to? Like what level of minor league baseball would you compare it to? Just the pitching and just the competitiveness and all that. I would say it's probably like a mix between like a really good, it's probably like a really good low A level of like 
um, competition, like hitters wise. And then pitching was sometimes you would have a dude that was throwing hundred miles an hour. Sometimes you'd have a dude that's throwing 85. So the pitching was kind of like hard to um, get used to, I guess, cause you really never know what you got, but it was good baseball, man. Like I, I felt like challenged for sure. Um, yeah. I would say like a ball for sure. Okay. So, I mean, it's definitely good, but and how did that kind of prepare you for the next season? Right. I mean, cause you go there to kind of prepare, it's the winter ball. So when did that help you just get reps or just kind of learn things about your game and all that kind of stuff? Um, honestly, from a baseball standpoint, it was cool. That was the first time that I played multiple positions. So I played a little third there. I played a little outfield, um, instead of just strictly second. So that was the first time that I really kind of got mm-hmm. a glimpse of like the super utility role guy. Um, but I was just, I was just came off a crazy year. Like we talked about in Visalia and I'm like, dude, like send me the fall league. Like I just need to play one position. Like even before I went, they had me like catch for a week and instructs. So like, I wish, like, I mean, they were telling me like, Hey dude, you're probably going to be a super utility guy. So, um, that was kind of the first time that I got a glimpse of that. So I'm really thankful that I was able to have that opportunity because that's ultimately who I'm going to be, um, for the rest of my career. Yeah. And you hit 300 there. So, and I got, and you, you mentioned being a utility guy. I mean, how, how many gloves are you carrying right now in your glove bag? Like, what are you, what are you wrapping around here? <laughs> you know what, dude, I only have two gloves. I got an outfield glove and I got an infield glove. Um, I was thinking, like, do I do a smaller glove for second base? Do I have a bigger one for third? And I was just like, you know what? Like, this glove's right in the middle. I use it all offseason at every position I use. So I just have two of them. And now with shifts, man, like, is there even any positions in the infield? Like, I feel like it's just first baseman and then infielder because I might be deep in the grass. I might be in the hole at shore. I might be right behind the pitcher. So, like, it doesn't really matter anymore. So that's helped me because you always see the guys that are carrying out, you know, six gloves to the field and they might use them all that game. I'm like, man, good luck. Yeah. It's, it's actually, and honestly, I think it's like a humble brag, especially if you're like sponsored by Rawlings, they just send you like six gloves that are all the best (laughs) in the game. I mean, what, what, what glove are you rocking right now? Are you going Rawlings pro preferred or what's the deal? Yeah, I got a Rawlings Pro Preferred. It's it's a nice one right now. It's navy blue, um, kind of matched the brew. So that that's a glove I'm really pumped about. Yeah, I think I saw it actually in your Insta. I think I actually I think I actually saw that glove. But and when you're a utility guy, man, I mean, what's the mindset you kind of have? Because when you're going into games, or I guess when you're going on to road trips, you don't really know what position you're going to be playing, right? I mean, what's the mindset you have? going into these games where like I might be an outfielder today or I might be like a shortstop second base third base like do you have a different approach depending depending on what position you're going at um in years past I did yes um because I was just trying to figure out like how to be that guy how to do it so I would stress out a lot about it because I wasn't very like comfortable or necessarily confident in each spot I was going to right I was almost like okay at all of them instead of just good at one and that always kind of bothered me but now I understand like oh no dude like you're good at them all so like be confident in that and it doesn't really matter like for me like if I get to hit like if I get my at-bats like that's my comfort zone right like when I'm at the plate I feel very confident in myself so when I go to defense it's just a challenge to where I'm like okay like you're good at all of these positions where's it gonna be you know like one of the coolest things for me is to be able to be that guy and be like oh hey we need so and so just got double switch oh James run to left field and I got it no questions asked or like oh so and so can't play second but um they could play third you move the short or whatever so i like being able to kind of be that swiss army knife that's definitely electric to be the swiss army knife because if you're a guy that can only play second or short the only way you know you're coming into the game is if that spot's open so for you you kind of have that opportunity where if anything happens anything on the infield or outfield i have a chance to kind of get into that game what position did you feel and you could be honest here's a trust circle what position did you feel that you were like the worst at like going into it? Like what position were you just like, I have no idea what I'm doing over here. Man, it was really hard for me to play left field in the beginning, just because like, I mean, you get drafted. Like I was a pretty good shortstop in high school. And then I played second base uh, most of my career in pro ball. Um, So left field was something like, 
no one's in a hurry to go shag in left field when you're 17 years old. Right. Like, and no one necessarily wants to play it. Um, And so that was the position when I find myself out there as I didn't really know what to do, I guess I kind of was on the whim. Um, And thank God I was, because I like was able to learn it, you know, on my own and like ask coaches, like, because a lot of times people just take outfield for granted. Like it's easy. Oh, just stand out there and catch the ball. Like, Bro, left field is where they're hitting the ball the hardest, <laughs> like in the most yeah. top spun, and it's slicing the most, and you have the most throws. So, like, I think the stigma of like why left field is easy is just completely dumb, to be completely honest with you. But um, yeah, I would say left. Um, and then gradually, like over time, you get, you know, like I had a great coach like Jorge Cortez or Joe Mather or Joel Youngblood. Like, there's a lot of people that really helped me out um you know making that transition and I played with some really good center fielders too like Evan Marzilli, Ben Deluzio like those those type of guys really are your coaches out there too because they're you know very good at it so they could kind of walk you through it with positioning and all that type of stuff well, do you have like an embarrassing moment in a game like g- g- let's make us laugh here like what's your most embarrassing moment in a game where you like tripped over your foot or you a ball a fly ball to left field you overran it like anything like that l- l- let's uh let's let's decrease the pump in the tires right now Dude, I'm honestly, like, I'm pretty clumsy on the field. Um, <laughs> I, I trip over myself all the time. Um, so if you watch me play, like, you'll probably see me do something silly. And I'm such, like, carefree guy that, like, I'll acknowledge it, just be laughing on the field because, like, it's funny stuff. Um, but as far as, like, a a funny story, um, do you want to go pro ball or you want to go, like, my childhood? Let's I've go childhood, pro ball, whatever. Let's clip something here and let's post it on Twitter. Let's get the people going a little bit. Okay, so childhood, I would say we were playing this, like, tournament in California, like, for All-Stars. We had to be, like, 10. And we're supposed to be, like, this big bad team out of Chandler AZ, right? Like, we're yeah. going to the Pony World Series. Well, we show up and we, we get smacked by, like, all these <laughs> California teams. Like, we just played bad. Um, and, like, I'm supposed to be the dude. Like, didn't really have a good tournament, whatever. But, like... I remember facing this kid and I like rolled over a ball to short. There's a man at first. So it's going to be like a double play ball. So I'm like trying to get out of the box fast. And the grass was like so high. Um, I ended up like tripping in the baseline and just like laying there, like completely <laughs> spread out. And I could like barely see over the grass. And I look up and the second baseman, like catches the ball for the double play. And it's just like, clueless as to like where the runner is because I'm like laying and hiding in the grass and I like slowly kind of get up and at that age the bases are so close like kind of like sprint there and like beat it out so like that was kind of one of the funny ones I'm like oh my god I'm hiding from this kid um but then pro ball man like we were playing uh we had like a day game in Jackson it was like freezing cold and like my stomach is just like bubbling dude and I'm just like oh no like this is like right before the game your baseball pants are tight like you're not trying to go you know to the bathroom at all so I like tell my manager Shelly I'm like dude I'm not feeling too good he's like you're playing so like (laughs) here we go so I remember being at the plate and I'm like this I got one swing like either I've made contact or it might be coming out the back end like I don't know what's going on sure enough dude throws a pitch I'm able to like just connect like without trying to mess on myself dude end up hitting a home run (laughs) and I'm like I'm like running around the bases and it was the most like non-cool home run trot ever dude I'm like running on my heels just making sure like (laughs) like high five everyone's like yeah 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 pumped up like I'm like guys leave me alone leave me alone straight to the dugout bathroom (laughs) and like if anybody has been to Jackson Tennessee and played in that stadium you know what the bathroom's like but when you gotta handle your business you gotta handle your business man like it's just one of those (laughs) things so that was tough. That was tough. But at least the result was a homer and not brown pants, you know. That's electric. That story is I legitimately can't wait to clip that. Put that on Instagram, Twitter, whatever. <laughs> that's all that might that's incredibly funny. But when you hit that nuke, I mean, are you just like I'm a dog? Because I hit a nuke pretty much like constipate. Like I hit a nuke with with no effort at all. So at that point, the like don't care about the home run. Like I'm just <laughs> it's pure like human instincts and like 
cool homer but like i need to get back into the dugout as soon as possible like that's where i was at mentally <laughs> so like what yeah if that was a punch out then it was a punch out like thank god it wasn't the ground <laughs> ball where i had to like bust it down the line man we need baseball to find are looking out for me we need to find this video like I, I i'm actually praying there's like some sort of video on youtube or whatever to kind of put two and two together but i can't even just imagine that that running around the bases isn't it crazy how baseball is i mean when you have no effort you're not really paying attention and you're just focusing on not shitting you hit a nuke like isn't that just how weird this game is it's insane yeah that's why sometimes you look back and you're like you're in the cage trying to do all these adjustments or you're just like a zoo at the plate and you're like bro what like slow down like it did <laughs> you you making yourself feel all of these feelings is yeah. not gonna like result in anything good like just chill you'll be all right and what what is like i said like i mean you've played in a pretty good amount of minor league stadiums what's like the nicest city you visited or the nicest stadium you've played at because i heard there's a couple i believe the white Sox actually have a really really nice minor league t- facility and a really nice minor league stadium. I'm trying to remember what the name of it is, though. Um, but dude, Birmingham, uh, the White Sox play there in Double A. Like beautiful stadium, uh, really dope. They have like apartments in left field, yeah. like a little pool. Uh, it, that's a, it's like three levels. Um, that's a dope stadium. Uh, there's definitely really cool spaces or spots in the minor leagues. Like Dayton, they sell out every night, which is dope. Um, even like Montgomery, I like when the train comes by. The biscuits. Man, like, I kind of like always, no matter like what the stadium or field was like, I kind of always embraced it. Like whether it be somewhere that I thought was like Clinton, Iowa, that kind of stunk um, or somewhere that's like super dope. I kind of just like took it for what it was worth, you know, like either way, I'm going to have a cool story about it, whether it was like so bad or like oh that's a dope stadium so i kind of just take them with a grain of salt and you know kind of enjoyed them all i guess yeah it's all a part of the journey and and like i said you go fifth round what was kind of for you what was the dumbest thing you purchased like some like what kind of whip are you ripping around and did you buy like a rolex like what's going on here with that signing bonus what's the dumbest thing you bought you know what I will give myself a lot of credit. I was pretty like financially smart um, with getting a good bit of money um, at a young age. So I bought like a, I bought a BMW when I like first got drafted and it was like certified pre-owned. Like my mom made sure I didn't do anything (laughs) stupid, you know? Um, Dude, I bought honestly, like, so after that fall league, I'm not wearing it actually. I'll show you. I'll go grab it. Um, after my year after my high a year right when i hit like uh i hit really well so i'm like 20 years old i'm like oh i'm going to the big leagues like tomorrow <laughs> this, this this is easy like dude i just like come on like i got it so i go to australia and i had like a little chain uh kind of like this and i was in the ocean and it just like went right off my neck i was like body surfing i was like damn there goes my chain but then <laughs> like 19 year old jamie's like oh dude we'll get a bigger one because you're gonna be on tv <laughs> soon so like yeah i bought this chain right here man that's fire. i still i still wear it let me put it on it's i mean that's still, fire yeah i still wear it to this day um which is good and hopefully i get uh you know to the big leagues here soon and it'll i'll finally be fitting but yeah i bought this chain probably like five six years way too early but i mean that's electric i mean I, still got that, it Nothing, sh- nothing like for me, for instance, nothing shows that you're like big, like you're in the show or you're big league than having just a massive ass chain. Like you see it with, with Javier Baez, you see it with Moncado, you see it with Jose Abreu, these guys that are dogs. You could just tell in my opinion, just my stupid brain, how it works. The more chains that someone has on the field, the more of a dog they are. You know what I'm saying? I just, <laughs> yeah. I'm, looking, I'm like, this guy's a dog. He has four chains. One, one with his number on it. looks like he's in the, looks like he's a part of Migos. So, I mean, right. that's the shit I look at. I'm like, this guy's a dog just based off of that but mm-hmm. and you mentioned your clo- you mentioned how close you are to the show i mean you're still with the big league club right now in the minor leagues humble brag so what what's what's kind of going into that i mean what has the team been kind of telling you or what have they what, what, like what's going on there um yeah man i'm just uh i'm really happy to be with the brewers um and get a, a real opportunity i think i'm the best version of myself i've been um, that's on and off the field. So it's really cool to get a chance and be close when I feel as confident as I do and who I am as a person and player. Um, but yeah, like I'm going to be at the alternate site um, in Milwaukee. We're going to split time between there and Appleton. 
um, and just kind of stay ready. You know, I'm sure you guys have heard about, you know, all the alternate site stuff. Everyone's running it different, but I'm just happy to, you know, have a uniform man and uh, be ready to do that for about a month. And then we head to our AAA season in Nashville. So, yeah, I'm excited for it all, man. I had a crazy 2020. So um, <clears throat> being back in affiliated ball and um, getting to go on trips like this and really experience this stuff when I was just released in an indie ball not long ago, um, I'm definitely put into perspective and uh, I'm really enjoying the opportunity. And I wanted to talk about that indie ball team name. I mean, the lightning sloths, like, what are we doing here? I mean, for a, it's like, it brings like a minor league aspect to, which I like what, what's going on there. What was your time? Like playing for the lightning sloths? What a name, Dude, by the way, I had so much fun playing indie ball. That was the most fun I've had playing baseball. And every year I play with the indie ball guy or guys been to indie ball in spring training or during the season. And that's all they said, Dude, it was so much fun. And I, Da, 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 da. And I always looked at him like, dude, you're nuts because like it sounds like the worst thing in the world <laughs> and it is not. Um, I completely understand why they say that now. It was so fun, man. It was just basically like summer ball. Like it was travel baseball, like double headers on the weekends. There's Hell a game yeah. playing on that field. You're in your full uniform. You give flips to each other. If you're lucky before the game, get loose. Game in 30, strap it on. Let's go. Hell so, yeah. Like, it was very cool for me to get back to that mentality of like, because everyone's always the best they've ever been, usually in high school, right? Yeah. Like, and sometimes when you get into pro ball, you lose a little bit of that, your old self, because you think the game is so hard, which it is that like your high school mentality won't work. And it's like, bro, that's why you're here because <laughs> you were good then. So right. it was cool for me to kind of apply some of those old things um, to playing. And like, that's when I had the most fun because that's when I was doing the best. Um, and it was really cool for me to take those experiences and apply it now back into affiliated ball um, and kind of kind of get my career uh, revamped. Do you think, yeah, like I was about to bring that up, actually. Do you think that that kind of catapulted you back into like the major league scouts radar and like big league clubs radars? Because you hit 294 there, which is obviously really good. So when you when you were having success, there was more and more big league teams reaching out to you saying, like, we want to give you a chance, all that kind of stuff. Or was it just the Brewers? Um, yeah, I definitely got some interest from other teams. The Brewers just happened to be the best fit. But, yeah, a lot of teams said they saw me there, man. And I was able to get back into the infield and my hitting was really good. It's um, continually progressed. Um, I've always swung the bat well. Um, so yeah, it was cool to kind of get seen by some new eyes and in such a weird year with like the pandemic and everything, like, I mean, the reason why I got released, um, from the giants was like, yeah, cause there was a numbers game, 60 man, they need prospects, yada, yada, which was, I completely understood. Right. Yeah. Um, so I kind of knew I wasn't there necessarily for playing bad, but at the same time, if you're released, you're released. And when you have when you're an indie ball and you don't have a job or you have any idea of the future, like that's a dark place. So um, looking back on it now, I'm like, yeah, man, like it's no of course someone's going to give you a job. But that's something that you don't know. And you just have to go bet on yourself. So when the when I finally ended up signing with the Brewers, man, like that was such a cool feeling that meant more than um signing with the giants or honestly even getting drafted because like <laughs> I was never out of the game uh, potentially. So that was really, it was dope for me to go there and kind of find myself again. Yeah, it definitely. I mean, a lot of people take that. And do you kind of see, do you tell guys now, like kind of being that vet, do you kind of tell guys like even top prospects, like, listen, man, you can't take this shit for granted because I was at, I was an indie ball at one point, man. Like I was released. I was an indie ball. I didn't have a job like with a big league club, have you kind of caught yourself being that kind of man of wisdom in the locker room? Um, you know, I try to only do that when it's fitting, right? Because I understand that like when that guy, uh, that type of player who had my story came to um, affiliated ball after indie ball, I know who I was when I was younger and like, I wasn't necessarily hearing it. And it's because you can't like, um, you can't like fathom that happening to you. Yeah, that's yeah. why when things are so good, you don't. It's like, oh, there's no way I'll find myself in that position. Um, so I kind of like when I see people going through things, if they're open to talk about it, I share my story a little bit or just give them a little like guidance in the right direction because I've had 
so many crazy things happen in my career at just 25. Um, but people also like they have their own process and they'll figure things out in their own way. You know, there'll be sure. experiences that guys might that I've had that guys might never have. But baseball is a funny game and like everybody goes through it at some point. So, yeah, I like to be there for, you know, to lean on if people need me. But I let people kind of have their own process because I definitely needed mine. I All of these things I know now, people told me from, you know, probably sure. my whole life. Yeah, no, you that makes sense. You just have to get to a point where you are the one that's ready to kind of accept it and learn from all of these things that happen to you. Okay, yeah, and yeah, we got to get this out of you here because, I mean, we've had – We've had electric funny stories about people in their minor league careers. We've had fans climb light poles with guns in the Seattle Mariners system. We've had police like protect someone's bus because a fan was going to come after them after a game. What is your funniest minor league story that you have from your career so far that's just so outlandish, like the two things that I just said? Man, like at the field oh okay so we're <laughs> we're in jackson again and there it's like a kid's day right yeah, so there's yeah. like that now the stadium's packed but it's like a bunch of screaming sixth graders so you almost rather it be empty you know what i mean um but they had like two teachers run out there and like right in front of our dugout they do like the kind of like reverse tug of war type deal where they put okay. the harness around their waist and then like bungee cord in the middle and then they run in opposite directions, right? And I'm looking at these two people. It's like this lady teacher, like kind of older. And then like a, looks like the kind of like strong PE teacher, like dude. And I'm, <laughs> they're tied up to each other with like headgear on. And like, they're getting ready to tell them to like run away. And I'm like watching this, like, this is going to be terrible. Like this guy is going <laughs> to drag this chick. And sure enough, they take off. He's full sprint. The kids are screaming and he just like completely drags this lady with blast. <laughs> I'm like, this is a lawsuit. Like, what are we doing? But watching that up close, like for on-field entertainment, man, there's like nothing like seeing that. I'm like, I knew, know this is going to go bad. I think I have a video of that on my phone, actually, to be honest with you. I watch it from time to yeah, time. I'll post it. I'll post it. There, There's nothing better, man, than minor league baseball. Just like, and I talk about this all the time on the pod, like just the promos where they have like that strikeout hitter or like dollar beer night between the first to fifth inning or just random shit. I mean, do you, when as a player, do you kind of see these promos and you're like, damn, man, I'm the fucking strikeout guy right now? Like, if I strike out, everyone gets free beer. So, the stigma of the strikeout guy is really good. Like, usually when you're a strikeout batter, like, you um, do well that game just because you have like an extra incentive <laughs> just not to punch out. Like, no one's yeah. celebrating me. Like, they could celebrate me getting a rollover. Like, they could celebrate me getting hit by a pitch, but they, they're not going to be celebrating me striking out and getting free beer. Uh, and it's funny, like some sometimes like certain stadiums, and it's very calculated. Like if you're on a hot streak and they're really not trying to give out beer, like they'll go and pick the other team's best hitter. <laughs> so like because they're like, all right, this dude's been killing us. He ain't striking out. Yeah. But then if it's like low attendance and they're like, OK, we want people to come and like get free beer, like they'll go to the dude like, all right, who's leading the team in punchies? Bang. He's our strikeout batter, obviously, because he's going to give us one and bang, <laughs> it's free beer for all. Have you been a strikeout guy before? Oh, yeah. All the time. I think everybody's had that for really? sure. If you play in the minor leagues long enough, you're the strikeout batter. What like so? What, what happened? What what's your best strikeout scenario? I mean, have you had a game where you like punched out and like the the crowd is just cheering your name and all that shit? I'm gonna be honest. I don't think I've struck it out being the strikeout batter. That's which electric. is really cool. Which is really cool. Like that's a nice uh, statistic to keep. You know, yeah, what I'm take saying? that analytic nerds. I mean, Jamie yeah. Westbrook doesn't have a strikeout when he's a strikeout guy. Yeah, like that's gotta up my minor league war. It has to. For sure. I I would just, I would, I would make your war like a 10 just based off of that. I don't know if a 10 is good. I'm not a stack guy, but I'm just assuming that would be it. And I, I just love the whole strikeout thing. Like it's just the most, I, they need to do that in baseball, by the way. Like, they need to have a major, uh, could you imagine playing in a major league game and you're the strikeout dude? Like in like 50,000 people are like just screaming, fuck this guy. Like I want this guy to punch. Yeah, screaming to strike out. Yeah, that'd be nuts. You talk about more adrenaline. Totally. You know, I just said like minor league war. That'd be crazy if they developed a formula for like minor league war based off of like minor league type things, you know, like beer batter <laughs> or like 
how wrinkly is his jersey or like <laughs> how wet are his socks because they weren't dried like properly dude. you're like yeah. how bad of a night's sleep did that dude get like how long was the bus ride like that would be super cool if you could see like who's the whose war is the highest or like the grindiest grinder <laughs> and i'm all for like i'm all for a stat where if you're playing in a shitty city like beloit or wherever um or uh what, what else do we say beloit and um, uh clinton, yeah. clinton if you're playing in those two cities you like your war gets elevated when you do well so if you hit a home run that counts as like two because you're because yeah. you probably you're, you're sleeping in hotels with roaches like there's just terrible conditions yeah. it should get elevated I, it's truly seriously should. like based off like uh, shower in the clubhouse you know what i'm yeah. saying if there's like a concrete floor like all of these things you have to accommodate like um dugout like is there a hole in the wooden stairs like all of those things would be really yeah. cool yeah. to see like all right like how well does this dude do when yeah you, i mean you want to grow the game rob manfred i mean we're giving you the blueprint right now i mean I, I would be dialed in on minor league games if they actually did this shit. <laughs> and then, and yeah, and you mentioned, I mean, you mentioned that you're with the Brewers now and all that kind of stuff. What's the biggest thing that you've noticed based off of being in this organization compared to like, like recent ones, like the giants, all like the diamondbacks, what's like a, a massive different thing that they do with the Brewers that they didn't do with the giants and diamondbacks. Um, yeah. I mean, every org has their own way of running things. Um, but I think with the Brewers, something that, like, I have really um, have enjoyed is just, like, the relationships between not necessarily, like, the front office manager, all that. I just think, like, in between the, whether it be the AAA manager or the trainer or whoever, everyone is on the same page. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you, I could have one conversation with, say, Craig Council, the manager, and if I talk to my AAA manager or a hitting coach or a trainer, like, there's no – everything is kind of – The same. It the is same. what they say it is so far in my experiences. So that's been cool. And there's a, there's a good environment. You're able to um, – I think everyone is able – at least me, I can only speak for myself. I'm able to feel comfortable. I'm able to feel like myself. Um, I could be Jamie Westbrook on and off the field here. Um, and it's an environment where they promote that. Um, and I think that's very smart because the guys are going to play the best when they could be themselves. And you know what's crazy? I found out, I think a year ago, this is just going to show you how dumb I am, that the Milwaukee Brewers logo spells MB. Isn't that bananas? I didn't even, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, the, the little gloves. Yeah, like I, I, did, I honestly yeah. didn't even realize that. It's just credit to them for being brilliant. But I, And who's one guy that you've played with right now with the Brewers that's really, really stood out to you? Is it Yelich? Who is it? Um. Yeah, I mean, all those dudes. You. I mean, when you get to talking about an MVP like that, man, like that dude's just in another level. But um, I've really, it's really been cool to be around Colton Wong. Um, that's someone that I grew up like looking up to. Like when even when he's at Hawaii, um, like he wore number fourteen, and like I was yeah. like, damn, like this dude's you know small second baseman with pop. Like always liked his game, so it's kind of cool to be you know, close to him and get to watch him work every day and see how he is as a person. Um, and that's been, that's been pretty cool. I played with his little brother, Kean at area codes and kind of against each other every year, the minor league. So um, I've definitely, you know, I've definitely, you know, followed both of those dudes for a while. So it's cool to be around and watch him work. Um, and especially his career path. Um, he's got interesting stories too. So it's nice to be around a guy like that. Yeah, he's he's a freak, by the way, too. I mean, he's one of those guys that just like he's always in the major leagues. I don't understand. Like, he's just you, you look at a roster and he's just going to be there. Like, he's he's just been in the leagues for so long. But and I and you're also number 93 in spring training. I have a recommendation. I think you embrace that number. I think that's an electric number. <laughs> yeah. So I had my first big league camp was last year with the Giants as number 94. And I loved it, dude. Like it was my first you know, show number, last name, <laughs> all that. I'm like, so my friend just called me like nine four. Like yeah. I actually got, I actually got nine four on the back of my cleats this year. Just like a little nod to like my first, you know, taste of what this life is like. So yeah, 93, 94, dude, 108. It don't really matter. As long as I got a Jersey on my back, I'm living good. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see, you know, um, you know, when I get that call, what that number is going to be, but uh, I think I, I, I've worked so hard that hopefully it's not in the nineties, but any, any number of, on a big league team, I'm going to be happy to wear. And I say, I say this to a lot of the guests that are prospects that are on the brink of kind of making the show. 
when you get that call to the show, I'm going to need something out of you. Like maybe uh, just the, just the guarantee. Cause you're a man of honor. You're a man of integrity. I want to be one of the first 20 guys you tell I'm going to the show. And this is how you do it with me. Cause I'm a Toronto guy. I need you to send me just the Drake gif of him saying, let's go. And then okay. not, I, I want to look at it and be like, all right, Jamie's in the show. Like, like, let, let's fire Bro. it here. That's what we're, like, I just need that promise out of you. Cool. Yeah. I, uh, I would love to say I'm going to be able to do that right now. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. It's coming soon. I'll, I'll try to remember that. I don't know if you could be top 20 or I don't know how that, how I'm going to react when that happens, but I'll definitely make sure I got that Drake gift on deck for you. There it is. I respect. That's why you're a man of integrity. And this is the last thing that I wanted to bring up here. I saw this on your Instagram. This is kind of your, this is kind of you to get to, to pump your own tires here. What are you like in fantasy football? I see you play. Like, who's in that league, first of all? And how good are you at fantasy football? Like, what are you ranking? Are you top five guy or are you in the bottom five? Well, hear, hear me out. It was my first year ever doing fantasy football. Um, me and Bobby Dahlbeck were on a team. We were co-GMs to start the year. <laughs> and then Bobby took control as more of, like, the president of fantasy football operations. And I was more of, like, I was more of the GM. Um, and so we were really good. We were projected to win the league, but we drafted Christian McCaffrey and, you know, yeah. you know how yeah. the story goes. So we ended up doing okay, but we made the playoffs. Um, and I'm not even sure who won the league, to be honest, but like Cody's in that league, Tuck's in that league, Kingery, Bobby Dahlbeck, Pat Jesus Murphy, uh, with the Blue Jays and not our Pat Murphy, the Brewers. Um, who else? Is Luplo in it? No, I don't. I don't, I don't know if Luplo's in. I even I forgot to ask Loops, you about Luplo. I, I don't think Loop's in it, but he's in the group chat that we talk about it all the time in. Um, and then a couple of my other boys, Mo and Jess, who don't play. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely a very competitive league, man. Like, <laughs> Cole Tucker loves fantasy football more than anyone in this world, <laughs> I promise you. That Dude. guy lives for Card- Arizona Cardinals football and Alvin Kamara. Like, that is why he That's wakes up duo. in the offseason. That's a good duo. We got to actually somehow try to finesse Cole Tucker to get on the show. We've had a lot of Pirates guys. I, mean, I think I've DM'd Cole Tucker maybe six or seven times to come on the show, but whatever. He's, he's big time he's living the dream i respect it but yeah we got to somehow finesse him to come on this show but yeah so this is the last thing i want to bring up i i, I guess they're not the fantasy football here but what's your kind of i always do this with the guests what's your kind of goals going into this all like going into this actual season with fans where you're at the alternate site what's your goals like statistic wise or just mindset wise or anything like that uh yeah i'm all mindset man like i this year which i have been doing a very good job of honestly since since the day I got released, um, I kind of had to look life in the mirror, man. And I'm just enjoying every day. And it's cliche as hell. And I know people are sick yeah. of hearing that answer. But I really, truly live by that. People say cliche things because they're true if you truly buy into them. So, yeah, man, I don't have any statistical goals. I don't know when I'm going to get called up or if I will. I don't know any of those things, but I do know there's a standard that I'm going to hold myself to every day I wake up, and I like my chances if I could do that, man. I really do. That's a textbook answer there. And for people wanting to find, wanting to get like a purchase this electric brand that he's repping over here, offseason apparel, just go to offseason.shop slash. Is that correct? That That's the actual yep. URL? That's it, man. Yeah, you can go to the Instagram uh, at Offseason Apparel. We got some stuff there. You could go to the link. We're, uh, yeah, we're in the beginning stages, man. We kind of like revamped it a little bit, but yeah, it's only been going for a year, and like we've done some crazy things. So I'm excited to see like what it really turns into. We're uh, we're really learning a lot right now um, from the business the business aspect or aspect. Um, you know, diving into marketing and all this stuff. So it's kind of cool to learn it on the fly, but. Also have dope stuff to wear while we do it. And you guys are, are you guys have an announcement coming up on April first. Is that correct? Yeah, we have a uh, we have a new collection coming, man. So yeah, stay stay tuned for that. We're doing something cool. Uh, get it to the you know some of the day one homies and um yeah see see what it could turn into man i'm excited about it we, we got some big things on the horizon uh, yeah. i believe it, it's electric shit man and our guy brennan davis is rocking it so anything out brennan davis is rocking i respect the hell out of it yeah and i'm brennan just gonna... davis baby bash yeah, that... bear we, we went to the same high school he's the next next young thing coming out of there oh man. he's so a dog I'm, 
Yeah, great dude too, man. That kid is, uh, he's such an awesome person. He's a joy to be around. Really good human being, man. Great baseball player, but even better person for sure. Yeah, and I'm just gonna fuck around here. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pretend that you guys are the presenting sponsor, sponsor of this show. I'm just gonna legit say official, official presented by Offseason Apparel. We'll just fuck around, say that, pretend, <laughs> just kind of grow the brand. I'm just, just make me sound electric, make me sound professional. But anyways, brother, man, I really appreciate you hopping on the show. And obviously, I'm rooting the. And like I said, I say this to all the guys, because you've come on the show, because you've taken a chance on this show, I am rooting for you, bro. Anyone that comes at you on social media, I'm going to roast them. They're going to put them in a body bag for you. <laughs> I got you. You're my guy for life now. Just just letting you know, I appreciate you doing this, man. Really, And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what you do with the Brewers. <laughs> I appreciate that. You could be the, uh, what do they call it in hockey, the enforcer? Yeah, the I'm, I'm the enforcer. Keep- I'm the enforcer. Boom, you're the enforcer for your, your guys on social media. I appreciate <laughs> that. And uh, I'm going to I'm gonna talk to my people. I'm going to make sure we get you some off-season stuff sent out, and uh, you could rock that. So, obviously, uh, this thing's mutual, and, yeah, just everyone wants to grow, man. I appreciate that. Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and follow us on Twitter at Pod. And on Instagram at officially unofficial pod. Thank you.